Welcome to the Urban Gardener podcast. I'm Josh Campbell, Urban, Ag- Urban Agriculture and Natural Resources Educator. And I'm Julia Laughlin. I'm the Oklahoma County Horticulture Educator right here in Oklahoma County, beautiful Oklahoma County. Beautiful Oklahoma County. Yes, beautiful Oklahoma County. <laughs> we are glad to be back with you. It's been a few weeks, um, but we're glad to be back with you for the next uh, podcast episode. Julia has been uh, tripping around the world, she spent some time in Europe since we last spoke, and so um, it's good to be back. It is good to be back, and it's just in time for Independence Day. Just in time for Independence Day. Yep. That's exciting. Yeah, fireworks. So what do we what do we want to talk about today, I Julia? I think we want to talk about July. Okay. Let's talk about the month of July in o- central Oklahoma and all of the beautiful challenges it brings us. <laughs> yes, it's indeed, hot, it's dry. And, you know, the, promote, the um, prediction for the summer is going to be hot and dry. Hot and dry. Well, yeah. it's certainly been true so far. Yeah. Well, I guess evidently there was a lot of rain while I was gone in June. Um, Early rained June, and yep. rained and rained is what I heard. I never looked at the mezzanine. Let's mm-hmm. talk about the mezzanine for a second, Josh. Sure. Um, we mention it sometimes on the podcast, but I think it's good for us to tell people about the Oklahoma mezzanine. Oklahoma mezzanine's uh-huh. a great resource. So, you know, I could go back right now. If I had done this before the podcast, I could tell you, but I could go back right now on the computer and look and see how much rain we had while I was gone. Mm-hmm. Um, so you want to tell us how that, how does the mesonet work? Well, so in short, the mesonet is a weather monitoring system. It's a partnership between Oklahoma State University and the University of Oklahoma. And there are, there are at least one, um, weather site, weather, uh, monitoring site in every county. Some counties have two or three or even four, and, um, they're monitoring everything from wind speeds to, rainfall, uh, soil moisture, right. all of those. They're, and they're collecting data points on most things every five minutes, some things every one or two minutes. Right. And they're, they're, they have historic data that goes all the way back to at least 1994 or even before that. And so if you live, let's say, here in Oklahoma County, um, here at our extension office, the closest Mesonet station to us is right over here in Spencer. You could go to mesonet.org, click on um, oklahomamesonet.org, click on the Spencer station, and you can get real-time information yeah. about about uh, rainfall, mm-hmm. and you can also look at historic maps. So yeah. there are a lot of tools to explore on there. If you're a gardener, um, you can look back at the last two weeks of rainfall and kind of use that to help make some decisions yeah. about watering yeah. and about um, it has just all sorts of tools that are both um, for, for farmers and also for for gardeners and horticulture uh, type tools that can help you make decisions about temperature and wind speed temperature and wind speed well so for us as urban gardeners or urban you know working in urban growing so something that might be important to us is where if you're telling me that my turf grass needs um, one inch of water a week and I've been out of town for the last week or I wasn't paying any attention which is real Mm -hmm. common people might know oh it's raining because they noticed they're at work but then they weren't really paying attention to how much it rained and you don't have a rain gauge at home, you could just go see how much it rained last week yep. and make a determination whether you really need to turn your sprinklers on this week. But I think we need to talk a lot more about watering, but let's do some general tips for July first. Sure, so what do we have? What's what's important in July? Well, um, one of the things I was going to say is that it, you, you don't really think of summer as a time to prune because we're going to be knocking out most of that pruning in um, really hopefully in 
February, mm-hmm. maybe January, maybe February, maybe early March because the trees are still dormant, shrubs are still dormant. But there's a whole group of plants that need to be pruned right now or coming up in the next few weeks. If so, they haven't. so what plants would that be? Well, it's going to be stuff that blooms in the spring. So um, when, you, when you think about something being a spring bloomer, usually you're thinking about lilacs or azaleas that are not ever blooming azaleas. Or you could be thinking of your wisteria if you need to cut back your wisteria. Mm-hmm. Or um, quince is another one. Um, or a real... A real common one would be um, forsythia, forsythia. Um, yep. maybe spirea. Most of the new spireas that are so beautiful, you know, are the ones that bloom all summer. But the old-fashioned spireas, they bloom in the spring only. Mm-hmm. So what happens is as they go into the rest of the summer, they set their buds for next spring. And so if you prune them next spring, I mean, in late winter next year, you take all the flowers all of that, off. All those yeah. blooms will not come. Yeah, yeah. so... Uh, for instance, I'm thinking in my own garden that there is a bridal respirea, um, one that's been in my garden for a long time that's really getting out of hand. It, it really just put off the last of the blooms probably in the last week or, or 10 days, and it quit that blooming period. But this would be the time for me to control that spring flowering shrub size rather than try to do it in, mm. while it's dormant. Because, And I've seen people do this before where they've cut their maybe new, moved into a new house that had a beautiful forsythia hedge or forsythia shrub, and they go in and they shape it up in the winter like they would other things, and then they get barely any blooms. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a good one to know about is summer pruning. You also can always prune in the summer if you need to remove a limb that is, um, like maybe you didn't catch it in the winter, but you've got a, hem, a, a, um, a limb hitting your roof edge, mm-hmm. or maybe you can't see around it because it leafed out and you can't see around the driveway and it's dangerous or you know, a kid might not be able, you might not be able to see if a kid was going by on a bike or something. That kind of pruning um, really can still be done in the summer, but we don't, but major majority of pruning on most of plants, not counting these spring bloomers, we want to do in the dead of winter or late winter, really. Yeah. So good, good stuff. that's a good thing you could still be doing and, and something to think about this, you know, as you go around the gar- garden this July. Yeah. And then, um, okay, so by the 4th of July, which is coming up real quick, um, you want to cut your chrysanthemums back. Chrysanthemums used to be the number one perennial in gardens. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Yeah, they used to I be. I love them. They're, they're great. They are. They're really cool. But they got, what happened was um, they were very popular because they were really easy to share. You know, you could dig some up and share with a neighbor. Um, they were so beautiful in the fall. And so it would have been common for my grandmother or, or you know, maybe your grandmother to have um, uh, mums in their garden. And they would know this trick. And that trick is... You cut them by, back by at least half by the 4th of July in, in, in the Midwest, right? Mm-hmm. We cut them back, and that keeps them from making little tiny buds in mid to late summer, and it makes them push out all new buds, and they come back like three times thicker mm-hmm. and bloom in the fall. And that's when we get the, like the full sheet oh, of, yeah. of flower and but color. But what's, what's interesting and what's happened there, because you might be like, well, I wonder why they're not the, one of the number one perennials anymore, is because in the horticulture industry, in the floriculture industry, or floral production industry, we've gotten real good into producing them as just as for show for fall. Mm-hmm. So you know as well as I do that you, you go into a garden center or even um, a box store and in the fall, and there are all those beautiful mums, and you probably... You know, who knows? You might spend anywhere from twenty to fifty dollars on mums to spruce things up for the fall, but you don't use them as a perennial. Mm-hmm. And so they're really, really a good perennial. And there's a big question. I know this is a fall 
thing, but since we're talking about cutting back your mums before the 4th of July, so doing it in late June or early July, is that there are two kinds of mums on the market in the fall. And hopefully maybe we'll bring this up again on our podcast in the fall, but there's two kinds. There's one that's called a garden mum and one that's called a florist mum. Florist mums have no hardiness. So if you do buy mums in the fall, and I do it every year because they're pretty. <laughs> I have some in my garden, you know, but I like to buy them. I like to stick them here and put them there. And they're so showy and beautiful yeah. in the fall. It yeah, just screams are. fall. Yeah. Yeah, the there's colors. been many a times I'll be driving, you know, and, and then I just, like, can't control myself turning into a garden center. Can yeah. Got to pick up some mums because <laughs> they look pretty, right? They're so pretty. Yeah. They really are. But um, the, the garden mums that you plant, that you pick up, if, like, if you were going into – a box store and you saw mums, if you will look at the tag, it has to tell you because they don't want to mislead you. It'll say florist mum or it'll say garden mum. Well, if you're really going to keep them and put them in the garden, grab the grab the, gar- the garden, garden mums. That will yeah, be yeah more those of will come perennial. back. And you can start messing with them. Get one when you, you know, make sure you pick up one garden mum when you buy mums this fall. Put it in a, uh, they'll take ch- some shade and, and also uh, some, you know, sun or shade, just not real, real deep shade. And then uh, they will come back and be great. Awesome. That's great that's tip. A, a great tip. Um, okay, what about fertilizing? Everybody asks me this every year. So if you fertilize when you planted in the spring and you used a slow-release fertilizer, like an organic fertilizer, you may be running, you know, you may be still running good. But I always recommend if you're going to re-fertilize your annuals or your vegetables or anything, early July is a good time to mm-hmm. do it. Just make sure that when you fertilize, if you're using something synthetic, uh, by that I mean, you know, just a regular fertilizer versus an organic fertilizer, don't, you know, don't put put it around the plant and walk away. Put it around the plant and water it water in because it could burn the plant. The slow-release um, organic stuff, normally you don't get burned, but quick-release, the nitrogen can burn the mm-hmm. plant. So if you do add some quick-release fertilizer in a granular form, be sure and water it in. Great tips. Um, yeah. And then we, you know, we recommend trees and shrubs. You, you fertilize in the fall and the spring, so skip that. But you might want to do some fertilizing really on the... Um, on the um, annuals and perhaps the perennials, and you might and also uh, fruit trees per our OSU fact sheet tells you that you do fertilize those yep. in the summer. So yep. the only other tip I have, Josh, and I think we want to talk about watering is that containers right now. And this is me tonight. <laughs> I can get away right now with two days before I have to go out there, but I'll have to water all my container gardens. Yeah, it's just hot. Um, I don't have a drip. They just dry out so quickly no matter what you do. do, They just dry out. They do, but I was going to mention that you might add a little layer of mulch. That will help. Um, The other thing that you could do is, um, it sounds like a silly tip, but I give it all the time, is if you have something like, like for instance, maybe your sprinkler's hooked up to something and you don't want to unhook the hose or my, my... my hoses a lot of times are in my water gardens because I'm topping them off in the summertime to keep them nice and full. And um, and you have an ice maker in your refrigerator, you can just take a bucket of ice out there and put that ice on top of those containers and it'll slowly water them. It works really good. It's like, because as it melts, it works just perfectly mm-hmm. to water the pot. That's awesome. Yeah, a little slow slow release of moisture as yes, it melts. Yes, but, that, but that's what's going on, Josh. I mean, honestly, it's just getting ready to be, we're getting ready to have a hot Oklahoma summer. Yeah, we've been experiencing it for sure, and, and it's supposed to continue. And so, um, you know, that's that's not out of the norm. July and August really are the hottest and driest times of um, of the year for us in Oklahoma. Um, and we know this. And so that's part of the reason why uh, we talk about smart irrigation in the month of July. Yeah. And July is actually a nationwide campaign 
uh, called Smart Irrigation Month. It's a good month for that. It's a great month for it because it's when it's going to be hottest and driest for most of the country, really. And so when we think about times of the year that people are going to be using water um, and needing to think about irrigation strategies for maintaining their landscape, July and August really are the time for that. So July is Smart Irrigation Month. You may see this um, advertised around. And really, it is just a uh, kind of a way to promote the efficient use of water and technologies within the landscape that can help you irrigate efficiently. So uh, you may see this label this that you see here behind us if you're watching on YouTube. Um, for those of you listening to our, um, our audio-only podcast, we're showing a, um, a label from the EPA. It's the WaterSense label. And this label, if you're familiar with uh, Energy Star, the Energy Star label that is put on appliances like washers and dryers and refrigerators, it's the same concept. This is indicating that these products, these water sense labeled products, are going to um, give you some increase in terms of water efficiency, usually about 20% greater wow, efficiency than, than the, the conventional products. And so yeah. uh, everything from like faucets and like shower heads and faucets in the kitchen to irrigation equipment that you would use in your uh, landscape are going to fall under this. And so if you see this sticker, um, that, that would be what to look for when we think about water saving products. One of the tips, we have a great fact sheet on this. It's called managing pressure in the, the home sprinkler system. Uh, you know about our fact sheet website, facts.okstate.edu. Uh, Julia, what's the website? Facts.okstate.edu. There you go. She got yeah, it right. I had to say it right after you or I would have forgotten it. <laughs> so you can find uh, fact sheets there. And one of the, the really good fact sheets that um, that we have that covers irrigation is the, the managing pressure fact sheet. Um, it's amazing to me how much water savings potential there is in addressing pressure in an automatic sprinkler system. Really? It's something you just, you wouldn't think about unless no. you really um, start to dig into it, but you really can save so much water. Um, and, and we don't have a lot of time to go into it today, but um, basically as we think about high pressure in our sprinkler system, you can see here on, on YouTube, the picture behind us, these tiny, tiny little mist droplets um, that you see with this, this because sprinkler Because the pressure's pattern. too high. The pressure's so high, it, it creates... Um, tiny, tiny little water droplets that just blow off in the wind. They yeah. create kind of a mist. They, they kind of almost vaporize and they don't hit target. And so you can see here that um, with, with high pressure, you actually use more water as you run your sprinkler system and you get, um, and you get less uh, impact. Well, that so, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So this is a, an example of that. This is a test that was done by the Irrigation Association, a national association that does research and teaching around irrigation. And they show that um, when you have pressure where it's supposed to be, which is 30 PSI for most sprinkler heads, um, you get uniform coverage. You can see that here. Wow. Um, as you go up to 50 PSI, so a 20, a 20 pounds um, per square inch pressure increase, um, you are actually using more water here in this example, you're using 1.5 gallons per minute per sprinkler head, more water, and you're getting less than half of the coverage. So mm. how many things do we like in life to pay more for and right. get less of, right? Yeah. Um, this is one of those examples where if we don't address press pressure, we're actually using more water than we need to and getting less well, results. Well, is it hard to adjust pressure? It's, it's very simple. Um, the, the easiest way to do that, and that's a great question, is to buy pressure-regulating sprinkler heads. So if we have a head that, that is, has issues, we're going to need to replace a head. Right. We're hiring a contractor to come out and do some irrigation work in our landscape. Um, ask for 
a pressure reducing head. Okay. Um, they'll be you'll, the way you'll know that it has a pressure uh, reduction in it is it will usually be stamped with a PRS. Um, each brand will have a little bit different way of doing it, but you'll see here, like in this example, Toro, it says PRX, yep. uh, Rainbird PRS, um, and then Hunter, there's the Pro Spray. Um, those are going to actually regulate pressure in the sprinkler head itself so that as that water comes out, it's it's coming out at the pressure that it needs to, no matter what your incoming pressure is, so that you're getting efficient application. That's cool. Uh, it's usually a little bit more, you know, 25% more, 15, 20% more um, for, compared to the conventional product. Right. But payback happens so quickly. There's yeah. been, we've done some work on this, and um, there's been some research done across the, the country, and um, you can typically pay yourself back in water savings for making these changes to this equipment in, in a year wow. uh, in just in, in water savings alone. Um, here's an example from... And your oh, plants will love you. Your plants will love you. <laughs> That's the thing. You, you're spending less money um, on water and you're actually getting... Your grass is, is getting more efficient use of that water. So yeah. it's, it's really a, a no-brainer. Here's an example um, of some water savings potential that we've kind of worked up. I call this my napkin math, but this is um, from that fact sheet. If you were to adjust pressure in a, in a landscape setting, let's say your irrigation schedule on your lawn was every other day for 20 minutes in the summertime, um, you could expect to save by regulating pressure, changing your, changing your spray heads to pressure reducing spray heads, 450 gallons a month per spray head, wow. per spray head. Um, so that's about 26 showers worth of water wow. uh, um, per month per one, le so one less person lots. in your house amount of showers. Yeah. An immense amount of water that you can save wow. and still get the same results. Um, you end up usually having to overwater to compensate for the inefficiency that comes wow. with the product. So it really is a, a great thing to check into. If you're going to do any work on your sprinkler system, I'd encourage you to check that out. Another thing that I think is really cool that people can do is actually convert um, spray yep. heads in their you know, automatic spray heads over to drip irrigation. Drip. Yeah. So a good, a good application for this that I think about is... Um, you know those awkward, especially newer built homes, they might have flower beds kind of right up to the front porch, the entrance yeah. of the house, and um, you, you put a shrub or some plants in there over time. As, um, as those plants establish, they grow big. The, the spray heads end up just spraying all over the place, or maybe right. even before that, they're just overspraying onto your porch, and so there's always a mess. Um, Weird-shaped, irregular-shaped beds that are just hard to get yeah. good coverage with a sprinkler head. It's a e very, very easy to convert these to, to drip irrigation. There's little kits you can see here behind me. Oh, yeah, um, but you just go right off the head. Right off the head. You just p uh, buy this little uh, conversion kit off, uh, off the shelf at just about any uh, garden center, hardware you know, store. Josh, I, I've heard you uh, talk about this, but I guess I think I, think I just not realized how easy it was. It's yeah. so easy, and you can just pop this in. It has a little... Um, a little kit that converts that sprinkler head over to drip irrigation then you just run your drip line That's where you so want to cool. run it and then you can also do the same thing um you if you don't want to run the standard drip tubing you can run little spaghetti tubing to your potted <gasps> plant so you know wow. you, you mentioned your ice trick yeah. Um, that's a great trick, but if you want to automate yeah. the irrigation on your yeah. potted plants. I just didn't realize you could hook up straight to you the can irrigation hook up straight system. To I always thought you'd system. have to be connected to a hose. Somewhere. Nope, you can hook up straight to the irrigation system, and it's really easy to do this. We Again, we have some fact sheet resources and some videos um, uh, online on, on YouTube that can kind of share more information about that's this, cool. but a really great resource. And I'm all about the potted plants. I love container, container growing. They're beautiful. But it is a... Um, 
it is a chore in the summertime. Yeah. You really have to commit to it. And so yeah. every other day, every day, uh, you're watering it. If you can automate a little bit of it, even yeah. it's it's a really a, a time saver. Well, for and you. if let's say that you get home late one night and you kind of forget or something, you can go a couple of days in our July or to August, and stuff you've been planted had there all summer can die on mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. It's just, really tricky. Just yeah. really fade quickly. Mm-hmm. Another thing that I love, and I will say that um, this is uh, really really a fun technology. You don't have to have an automatic sprinkler system to benefit from smart irrigation practices and technology. Yeah. So these here, you can see behind me, are what I call smart hose timers. So if you water off of a spigot in the yard or a spigot from yeah. your house, um, they actually have technology now where you can take your your iPhone, your smartphone, and you can, um, as long as you can get a Wi-Fi connection. So that's it works yeah. best if it's a, a, a spigot on your house. Yeah. But you can run it out. Uh, uh, hose to your garden or to some raised beds or to flower beds or whatever and you can control that from your smartphone so if you're going to go on vacation that's neat and you still want to water you can actually monitor that and control it turn it on and off instead right of paying the little kid down instead the street of paying a neighbor or somebody to do it so <laughs> it's a neat little tool um and uh again there's there's a whole fact sheet on smart irrigation um, products smart irrigation controllers and, and, and this, this is the month to read all that this is the month to read up yeah. on it and to really think about it and these products are not as expensive as people think um, most people think oh well it's got to be really expensive but they're actually very affordable um, there the are technologies some s- just come technology in. has really come a long ways and um, and can help you save a lot of money if you if you really um, will, uh, will lean into it and adopt some of these things this one here is probably the biggest for me um, you know, having little kids, I've actually had to put a lock on all the spigots around my house because Dawson's um, age. My, yeah. yep, my four-year-old son just loves to turn the spigots on and run water. And we'll, we'll just sometimes go and, and we would not realize that a hose had been running somewhere and right. it would, it would um, not only impact our water bill, but it would just, it, you know, it, it would I should laugh. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> and then I've done it even before kids. I would go on, you know, oh, run I've a hose to trickle to yeah, a tree and yeah. it would just sit for 24 hours and yeah. make a mess. And so these are actually uh, flow meters. You can see here behind us, if you're watching on YouTube again, um, these are flow meters that hook up to the spigot before you hook up your garden hose. So if you are the the, uh, the type that is watering mainly with garden hoses that you're pulling around the yard and you're setting up that kind of system to, to, um, to hand water. Hand watering. Hand watering, which is, that's that's yep. a great option if you've got, uh, if, if that's, if that's what you've got. Yep. Um, these actually allow you to, just like an old-fashioned kitchen timer, you twist the dial to 30 minutes, and once it hit 30 minutes, it would ding and go off. It's the same concept. It's a little, it's a little t- um, meter that will not allow more than um, what you allow to, to pass through. So in, in this indication, uh, I think these are around nine, um, $9.99 on Amazon. You might be able wow. to find them for, for um, a, a few different prices, depending on how much water volume it can meter. Yeah. This one here behind me in the picture looks like it goes up to 1,200 gallons. It will, so it will sh- it won't allow more than 1,200 gallons in a single watering event to pass through. I think through all it. gardeners should have this. It's amazing, and so you can <laughs> set I that dial. So so if you wanted uh, 200 gallons or 500 gallons or whatever it is you yeah. wanted that, you set it to, to that, and as soon as it meters that much water, it won't allow. You know, more we to even come out. top off our swimming pool that with the hose. You know, uh, we've just got a well, and I just top it off. But there's been times when I came out and the pool was just like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So these things are great uh, to keep you from. Those kind of overwater, those forgetful, yeah, yeah, overwatering events where you let a hose run and you just walk, you know, go into town or do something and and you're gone. Smart irrigation, Uh, mom. Smart irrigation. So 
flow, automatic uh, or, or uh, flow meters are really great tools to, to look into. Um, with that, um, any, any last parting thoughts as we think about July and uh, what we do as gardeners? No, I'd say stop and smell the roses. That's yeah. probably, you know, this is for me, July is when I, every, everything's got a mulch on, you know, all, all my stuff is pretty much weeded for now mm-hmm. and just in, enjoy what the fruits of your labor. And yeah, it really is a, a, I was thinking about that earlier today, actually, that this late June, early July is one of my favorite times Isn't of the year because you've got kind of long day lengths, yeah. your, the, the fruits of your labor, as you described it, like if you're a vegetable gardener or even just an ornamental gardener, things are in bloom. Yeah. Um, you're starting to get harvest from yeah. your vegetables. And, and yeah. so you're just... The grasshoppers haven't to, done too much damage yeah, they, yet. <laughs> and, and, I, and hopefully it hasn't gotten so hot and so dry that everything's just burn up. It's just kind of yeah. this perfect time window where yep. things are things are fun. But yeah. um, it's going to get hot and it's going to stay hot um, and you're going to need water. And so, yeah, so come back to, to the urban podcast, urban gardener podcast, and we'll, we'll try to give you some more ideas. To help you Absolutely. Too, so so uh, with that, uh, this has been a fun episode and we will see you next time. Thanks, Josh.